But at this time, we have Brock Heward, who is the man and uh, someone that I love. Uh, he's one half of, of the morning show in Seattle with Mike Salk on Seattle Sports. He is a friend of the show. Brock, welcome back in, my dude. Oh, boys, 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 boys. What a time. What a time to be alive. What a time for the Huskies to play for a national freaking title down in Houston. Going down there Saturday. I'm leaving with Titus. Little father-son. Get to see all my old teammates for the first time in so long. That's cool. That's that's, so cool. I mean, I wish it wasn't Houston. I mean, like, give me, I don't know, Miami. Give me Phoenix. Give me L.A. (laughs) Houston, it's it's like when the Seahawks in 05, when I started in this whole crazy media world, too. Kind of like you. Right now, Phil, when I started in uh-huh. 05, I was a year removed from the league, and it was like, man, the Seahawks got fired. It's unbelievable. I, I couldn't ask for anything more, and I get to be a part of this, and I'm doing pre- and post-game radio, and where's the Super Bowl in 2005? Where are we going? Oh, I love it. Detroit. <laughs> Detroit. Oh, my gosh. Oh, and, 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 and you guys know Brock uh, uh, calls yeah. uh, games. Uh, he's called NFL, college, all around the country, but he was once upon a time – the quarterback at University of Washington. Yep. Uh, mid-90s to the late-90s, so I want to pick your brain about Michael Penix. Was once upon a time Peyton Manning's mm-hmm. backup in the early 2000s uh, with the Colts. Um, so the guy knows the quarterback position, but I- I'll-, I'll wait to-, to talk about Penix because you know we have to check in about Russell mm-hmm. and just the calamity of um, really the last week, but behind the scenes, the last couple months, you do a radio in Seattle. What do you make of um, the arc of this story here, Brock? Yeah, you know, gosh, it brings me back a little bit to all of our conversations last year, you know, and I was on with you every week and we talked through this and and I think early on I remember even some of the guys are no longer in the building going to lunch with them. I'm just like, hey, here's some background now, okay? Like, I, I know you're super excited and you've been waiting on the Savior and you've been waiting for a quarterback for so long, but understand why, like, Seattle moved on. Understand some of what was going on there. Understand some of the some of the limitations and do it as best you know when it's a run play action create that's who he is that's what he is and last year we all know was just a colossal colossal disaster so much dysfunction in so many different ways do not need to rehash any of that and you know i had some concern of how he was going to fit with sean Sean wants it a certain way. Sean reminds me of the guy that I played for and struggled with at times in Seattle, Mike Holmgren, you know, where it's their way. And, you know, when we win, it's we, and when we lose, it's your fault. And that's a a tough dynamic. And then when you play with rhythm and timing and efficiency and, and the things that Sean wants that position played, that's not Russell's strength. That's not been his gifting, you know, and... And we saw that the first five weeks, and it was a it was a mess. And then you played Russell Ball for four or five weeks, and your defense was on fire and fuego, and it fit. And then, you know, I think over the course of a football season, these things tend to work themselves out. And it went the other way over the last four or five weeks as the defense didn't get all those takeaways. And I can't tell you I'm shocked. I, I really can't. And as hard a pill as it's going to be for Denver to swallow and as much dead money as they're going to have to carry – at least they've got clarity. This coach, an organization, has clarity of what they want moving forward, and what they want is no more Russell Wilson. Yeah, and and, and I got to stay there for a second because I know Phil's chomping at the bit to ask you about Michael Penix, but I have one more follow-up about Russ. What is the general vibe in Seattle? 
about Russ. Has it aged any differently after last year? Was there any more? Did he turn into a sympathetic character in the Pacific Northwest like he did in other places around the country this past week? Maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit. But I know, and, and I was in the, the building last week there in Seattle, and it was a little more of like, yeah, there's there's a lot of work. A lot of people did there to keep stuff under wraps, to, to make that relationship work. It, it was not not really easy. And then, you know, I kind of pointed and, and, and said to some of the folks, there that and, and I believe this man the loss of Trevor Moad because Trevor was the one guy in Russell's life that would shoot him straight that would say call a spade a spade say this this is off and this is wrong and and we lost Trevor to cancer a couple years ago and I'm not saying that that has derailed Russell's career or anything of that nature but he was the one sounding board the one guy that could look him in the eye and say things to him that nobody else could well, except for maybe Sean Payton on the sidelines a couple weeks ago. <laughs> oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> Brock, I, I do want to get on this Penix talk, but do you feel like the Denver Broncos handled things the right way with Russ, with this whole um, problem, issue, distraction yeah. going on? Do you Potential think, threat? Yeah, like for the organization, do you think that they handled this the right way? Well, I think you gave $100 million to Sean Payton and empowered him, and the owners made a very clear decision. Right, this is going to be Sean's decision. It's going to be run in the way that Sean wants it run, and and there I think have been enough positives on the field, enough you know function and winning to to give you some some optimism moving forward. The dude knows how to coach. The guy knows offense, and 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 he, you know, is, is a pro and and knows how to coach pros. Did they do it right? Did they do it perfectly? Absolutely not. Mm. But Sean Payton's from the Bill Parcells school. Like, it, it's not going to be friendly. It's not going to be warm and fuzzy. He's not going to be everybody's friend. You know, he's going to communicate in ways that, that were, frankly, a lot more of what I heard and Schlereth heard and the guys heard in the 80s and the 90s. It's, you know, now, can that work? <laughs> can that function? Is that going to be doable in the years to come? Time will tell. But this organization gave him the money, him the clout, him the power to make those decisions and communicate the way he's going to want to do it. Brock, Michael Penix. All right, Michael Penix Jr. Is a dude. Man, man, oh, man. We have opportunity here in Denver to get him. How good is Michael Penix Jr.? Michael Penix is one of those guys, and you all have been around them in your different capacities. And and I am sure, both from a football perspective for you and, and Zach in the basketball world, where you just see a guy and you're like, wow, that is just, that's just different. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, before your time, there was a basketball player by the name of Michael Dickerson, Mike Dickerson. He played for the Vancouver Grizzlies, and I played against him in summer ball. And I fancy myself a decent little hooper. Right. Kind of a, I was kind of a 3-4, and I got in that low post, and I get guys on my hip. And, you know, I had a 40-20 in high school, and I'm like, you know, I, I can play a little bit. And I played a summer league game against Michael Dickerson. And um, let's just say he went up and down before I went up. Like, and I was like, okay, yep, that's, that's different. Like, yep. I can't do that. I can't elevate and hang and dunk and do that. That is different. And then he went to Arizona, and yep. as I said, first-round pick, yep. he, was a, yep. he was a dude. Lottery pick. When you watch Michael Dickerson throw, and when they get around these pro days, there's going to be the same conversations, but he's more refined than Josh Allen. Like, yep, or Patrick Mahomes, even coming out of Texas Tech, like this ball just comes out different. Do you remember when, when Trevor Lawrence was drafted a couple years ago and Urban Meyer was sitting there at his pro day and he was sitting right in front of the center? Do you remember that? It was kind of awkward. Like, why is he kneeling down yeah, there? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And Urban Meyer said, I wanted to hear the ball out of his hand. Mm. 
there's a there's a certain sound when you watch batting practice with certain guys. Nelson Cruz for me when I was with them, you know, and and get to go down and watch Mariner spring training. Like wow, that thing off the bat sounds different. When I saw Bryson DeChambeau at the Masters, I got to go to the Masters one year, and this was when he was big and bulky and you know swinging the club 500 miles an hour. And I'm like wow, the sound of that is different. And when you see Michael Penix throw, it's just different. Mm. He's got like I don't know the. Kalen DeBoer said they might measure near 11 at the combine, like 11 inches. And, I mean, he has these massive hands that just envelop a football. And, you know, wait till he throws an NFL ball. Like, you know, like, man, there's nothing like an NFL ball. Like, give me that ball to throw all yeah. the time. And, uh, you're, you're, yeah, he's going to absolutely wow people. The only question, okay, and this is the only question, is in the guy that I comp him to from a body composition standpoint, not an arm and not a hands, because Teddy Bridgewater had nine and a quarter inch hands. Why is Teddy two gloves? Because he does he has very small hands. But they're both 6'2", they're both 214, they both got these kind of awkward bodies that are like long and just a little bit off and different. And the question is just going to be the pounding he's going to take at the NFL level. Yeah. Can that frame right. take the pounding? He's been sacked 16 times over his last 27 games. Wow. Doesn't get sacked. And even Texas, who pressured him 13 times in that game, right. got him to the ground once. Right. Yeah. He gets rid of the ball. He sees it. He feels it. He's phenomenal in that way. But the only question is going to be, is we have played how many NFL QBs this year played? Like 60. 60. Yeah. 60. Okay. And you don't go <laughs> a game without getting sacked. You don't go... You know, 27 games getting sacked 16 times. Even if you get rid of the ball like a wizard, you're going to get hit. Yeah. And you're going to take a pounding from the biggest, most physical men on earth. That will be the only question for him and why some still grade him a, a late first, second round pick. And we're talking about Brock Heward, who once upon a time played at the same school that uh, Michael Penix Jr. played at, Washington, in the uh, mid to late 90s, spent some time in the NFL, former third-round draft pick uh, in the late 90s. Uh, Brock, if you were the Broncos, mm -hmm. let, let, you're, 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 you're Sean Payton for a second, all right? Um, you're on the clock, say, at 15, and Michael Penix is there, and Bo Nix is there, and uh, Jaden Daniels is there. Who, who, who would you go with? Yeah, Jaden's not going to be there. Bo would be there. Jaden's going to be gone because he runs so unbelievably well. And with the success of Lamar and the way this league works and everything else, it is a, is a copycat. And so Jaden is going to be gone. Caleb's going to be gone. Drake's going to be gone. And, yeah, the question will be, does he fall beyond five? He being Penix, does he fall beyond ten? I think with that frame, there's going to be question, and he may, and people will feel much more comfortable when they don't have to guarantee him $30 million, $28 million, $27 million, that those guarantees start to come down outside the top ten. And at 15, for me, he'd be worth that risk. Okay. Yeah, he'd be worth that risk. Okay, and uh, your, your, your quick thought on this, because Phil and I have gone back and forth uh, about this for the last 24 hours. We believe Justin Fields is going to be made available for the Chicago Bears, and it's not going to cost a first-round pick. Do you see, and I'm asking you to speculate and sort of forecast with mm -hmm. your quarterback uh, eyes that you have, would Justin Fields be a fit in Sean Payton's offense? I don't think he'd be a fit like Michael Penix would be a fit. 
Yeah, just from a processing, a pocket feel, a movement. Again, go back to that Texas game, and if you really watch it, and, and what's so sad is it's the first time that so many actually watched Michael Penix this year, and even freaking ridiculous Heisman voters that should be relegated oh, and never get to ever, yes. ever, ever vote yeah, again. Preach. Who didn't have him in the top three? I mean, because they didn't watch him. Right. Um, you know, so you watch that game, and you just watch the what you cannot coach. Okay, there are a lot of things you can coach. There's a lot of things at that position you can develop. There are a lot of footwork and fundamentals, and but there's a few things in my mind you can't coach. And pocket awareness and presence is just one of those. And that's where Justin, you know, has climbed the ladder and climbed the learning curve. He's been fields, but even four years in this league, he is not what Penix is. He's got that spidey sense. He's got that movement. He can slide. He can run. He's going to get the combine and probably run 4-6. And Monday night, if they're going to beat Michigan, he's going to have to do what he did against Texas. And that's pull the ball and run a little bit and have a little QB run and give them a little something to think about. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think a Penix would be a better fit, certainly for the cost, the upside, and everything else. And I like Justin Fields, but not necessarily in the Sean Payton kind of offense. Mm. Brock, uh, our producer's telling us we got to go, but 30 seconds. Give us a prediction for the national championship on Monday evening. Mm. Washington will have to get to 30 to win. I, I, I felt good about the matchup with Texas. Uh, Michigan is battle-tested. Their culture, and unlike anybody else, they will play bully ball. They ran it 35 straight times against Penn State. Jim and crew will not be afraid to run it 30 straight times against Washington. So it's if Washington could get enough possessions to get to 30, they can win this game. If they don't, and it's in the 20s, then Michigan's going to win that national title, and Jim Harbaugh's going to be off to the NFL. Mm. With the Chargers? Maybe. Yeah, yeah maybe, maybe the Raiders. <laughs> you, see the Don Yee? you see hired Don Yee? He did, and you know, I heard from somebody today, there may be an eight-game suspension looming by the NCAA if wow. he hangs around college. So oh, yeah, I got to go. I'm out. Yeah, like Pete Carroll, you said adios to, to L.A. way back when, 14 yeah. years ago. I yep. think, especially if they win, and he goes out a winner and wins, what, the second national title in 60 years at Michigan? Yeah, I could see him to the league. Brock, you're the man. Thanks for your time. And I know your producer's name. You can say KJ. Go ahead and say it. You can <laughs> most of there. my jobs uh-huh. here, Ryan. This is yep. most of my jobs. Uh, yeah, let's go, KJ. Let's go to break. Let's go to break. Come on. <laughs> All right, Brock. Thanks so much, Same man. boys. All right, there he goes. Brock, you are the one and the only man.